I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Athletic. Jordan, you're a great professional. Tell me you're going to get absolutely rotten tonight like me. (laughs) <laughs> Possibly oh, Come on Jordan, go for it lad, enjoy yourself hey! Cheers Cheers. Well Liverpool's title challenge appears over and top four is now the priority Even that looks like it's going to be a challenge Where have Liverpool gone wrong and just how difficult is it going to be to get it back on track I'm Steve Hothersall, Simon Hughes, James Pearce, Kiva O'Neill, all on today's uh, Red Agenda. Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price. Enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts for less than £1 a week. Just go to theathletic.com slash Liverpool pod to sign up and enjoy The Athletic throughout 2021. That's theathletic.com slash Liverpool pod. So Liverpool beaten by Manchester City and side the defence of the title, which they won so convincingly, seems over at a very early stage. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Um, I mean, you think back to the, the Brighton game only a few days earlier and Andy Robertson had said after the game that he felt it was it was already over, which I thought was quite startling admission to make for a player. Maybe he was speaking quite emotionally after the match, I'm not sure, but... Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 almost impossible for Liverpool to get back into the title reckoning now. Um, it's been a pretty meek defence of the title. Um, there are all sorts of reasons for why that's happened, I think. Um, I'm sure we'll get into that in the next hour or so. But um, I, I think from here, I think it's going to be very difficult for Liverpool to, to win the league. And it's just essential now that they, they make sure that they get into the Champions League because I think it is going to be tough. There's a lot of teams trying to get into those spaces at the moment and the, the gap between them is very, very narrow. So Liverpool have to try and come to the centres pretty quickly and and get their head around the situation that they're in and try and get a bit of form. You know, I suspect that they will lose games from time to time in in, in the next in the coming months. Hopefully, it's not a, a run of defeats like like we've um, you know over the over the next couple of games because there's there's some big games coming up against against Leicester, then then Leipzig, then Everton. I mean, I'd, I'd say these these three games could really shape the direction of the season. So they're going to have to really sort of get the head around what happened uh, against Manchester City pretty quickly and try and get some sort of momentum back in the season because it's you know only a week ago we were talking about two great results and suddenly it's you know it's back to the way it was possibly you know even worse state of affairs because as I said you know it looks like the they're not going to be able to get back into the title race, so it's it's a different it's a different target now, but a very important target that they're going to have to hit. So topsy turvy this season, James. The manager and the players they're going to put on a brave face. They're going to say that things will get brighter. I think personally, and just to go back to that you know initial thing that I posed to, to Simon, they've got to be really disappointed at how quickly that this season seems to have evaporated in terms of chasing the title. Yeah, especially when when you think that. 
you know, Liverpool went into the new year top of the table. It wasn't as if you know they've been in, in pieces since since the word go at the start of the season. It's um, for a long time they coped unbelievably well with the adversity that had been thrown into their path. But things have really quickly unravelled. I think I was looking back when I was writing my piece last night. I think it's nine points out of the last twenty seven since that draw with with West Brom at home and just you just don't even give yourself a chance do you when when you slip up that regularly and I actually thought Sunday was a strange a strange game to make sense of because in the end you know it's abject humiliation to get battered 4-1 at home by a team that you've that you've been competing with for the biggest prizes in in the last few seasons and and, and had obviously gone ahead of last season but the scoreline wasn't a fair reflection, was it, on the game? I mean, 20 minutes to go, it was 1-1. You know, I, I think it was very difficult to call. I thought I thought City were better. I thought City were the better team in all departments. But for Allison's meltdown, I think that game probably finishes one each. You know, it's, you can't legislate for mistakes like that. And, you know, of course, you have to caveat it with the fact that Allison has been you know, absolutely magnificent for Liverpool from pretty much the day he walked in from, from Roma. But... Um, you know whether it was still the illness, whether he he wasn't feeling himself. Obviously, he'd missed the Brighton midweek game. I I don't know, but you know that absolutely killed Liverpool, having got themselves back into it with Salah's penalty. Just two inexplicable decisions on his part, and then you know I, I think without those two, then the fourth goal, you know, as good as it was from Phil Foden, I don't think that happens because um, I think by that point the shoulders had hunched and and Liverpool had wilted. Yeah, Alisson's name normally at the centre of all the positive headlines for Liverpool, not the errors. Um, Kiever, he's, he's the epitome of calm with a ball at his feet, but how on earth do you explain, and James tried to there, that the second and the third Manchester City goal? I mean, Jürgen referenced uh, his keeper as having cold feet afterwards. I don't know, it looked like he had concussion, didn't it? But dare we say that about a goalkeeper? Obviously, in the past, we've we've had that discussion once or twice, haven't we? But he just didn't... It, it was just a moment, wasn't it? And then that was it. Just didn't seem him, did it? And I think, you know, you do look back to that that illness. It just didn't look like him. He didn't look like the goalkeeper that we've seen over the past few seasons. And, you know, if you have been not well yourself, you know that you don't feel like going to work. So I just think it was just one of them. I think that's what I tweeted after the game because it just felt like... You know, like James said, it should have been a 1-1 game, but then it just crumbled within, what, 10 minutes? They scored three goals, and obviously Alisson was error for, for both of them. I don't know why, I know Klopp said after the game, just hit the ball into the stands. I feel like sometimes, I think the earlier mistake had got to him, and then, you know, the second one just happened because he was thinking too much. I don't even know how he didn't see. Um, Was it silver on the, on the side? He just passed the ball to him, it was just bizarre something that we've never really seen from Alison before so I mean you kind of let him off because he has been not well and it was just just a weird thing to happen and any other player I think makes a big mistake and maybe you're a bit more annoyed even a couple of mistakes but with Alison he's literally changed the way Liverpool thought about goalkeepers you know for a long time a long 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 time there was always a worry about every corner every cross into the box He's alongside Van Dijk, who obviously Liverpool are massively missing, has sort of, you know, eradicated that fear. So for him to throw the game away, I wasn't too, you know, you can't, I don't think you can be too mad at him. He'll be absolutely distraught, won't he? 
um, with himself because of the level he just expects of himself. Especially, I think, when coming up against Edison, there's always that kind of Brazil rivalry there. And obviously, we know he's Brazil's number one and he wants to keep it that way. And it just, I don't know, the pressure seemed to get to him a little bit or it was just a lapse in concentration. I don't really know, but we know how, how great of a goalkeeper is. And I'm sure he, you know, he'll come back from this even better. And I think Liverpool will, you know, oddly, I think it's time to sort of tap into the positivity reserves here because I think it's all we can do sometimes. It's, you know, we can be sad about it or negative and this and that, but sometimes you've just got to say the pressure's off Liverpool now. It's looking very likely that they won't reclaim the title. So just go and play football, go and win games, make sure you get the top four. Like the pressure's almost off in a way. Like they've been chasing this thing that just hasn't come together. And like you mentioned before, you know, they started this year top of the league, they were top of Christmas. And, you know, to throw it away from there is, you know, ridiculous really. But then when you think of all the all the different factors, you can kind of see why it's happened. And I do think, you know, the fans is a massive part of that because Man City do not win at Anfield. They haven't won there. I think that was the first time since 2003. They don't win there with a, a crowd. They had a 10-minute spell, what Liverpool usually have in the opening half, because there's just thousands of scousers shouting. And I just think, you know, um, with fans, I feel like City were, you know, that was a massive advantage for them, as it has been for teams like Brighton and Burnley. And I don't know, if you look at those games, Brighton, Burnley, Southampton, there's nine points that Liverpool would be now one point behind Man City. So it's not just that game, they've, they've, they've thrown it away in a few games before this. Yeah, the, the fans are definitely a reason, aren't they? Just on the Allison thing, for me it felt, Si, as though that, that was the ultimate point of saying nothing else can really go wrong for this, the team this season because he, he has been the bedrock of everything that's been successful. So when you saw the, that three minutes of chaos, you thought, well, this is it, isn't it? <laughs> this really sums up the season. Yeah, well, I mean, I think he's just sort of touching, into the, touching on the... The sort of the crowd reaction and the way it does affect the way a football match and the flow of a football match. Because at the start of the game, Edison made a similar sort of mistake. And I remember thinking at the time, I think it was said in commentary, if that mistake is made in front of a full house, the crowd jump on it straight away and the players then feed off the energy of the crowd. And obviously that wasn't the case. There was nobody there. So uh, Edison sort of got away with it. And the, there was no like sort of feeling that his mistake was being compounded by the surrounding atmosphere. So it's definitely something that Liverpool Liverpool missed. I mean, a lot of people seem to be saying, well, it's the same for everybody at the moment. But I think a lot of those people, if putting it kindly, might not necessarily attend many football matches. If you watch a football match through a keyhole of a TV camera, you don't feel the atmosphere when you go there as much, if at all. You might see it through the TV screen, but... Very different matter when you're actually there. And I think it has affected Liverpool to say that for anybody to say that, oh, well, Liverpool, it, it, it's, you know, it can undermine Liverpool as well. Well, that, that quite frankly is rubbish because they've been on such a great run over the last three or four years at home. They've really made it a, 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 a fortress, really, or they had made it a fortress. So it, it has affected Liverpool and maybe has affected Liverpool in, 
in a way that it hasn't affected other clubs. Uh, it can go either way. So, yeah. I mean, so, what's he saying? It's not a level playing field, sir? Well, I mean, you can only deal with what you what's put in front of you. There's no point complaining about it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not complaining about the situation because that's what it sometimes get fra- gets framed as. But there is the reality that, that, you know, Liverpool have been on an unbelievable run and it ha- I think it has affected them. It may, in the same way, maybe it's affected Sheffield United, Bramall Lane, have become a place which is very difficult to go, backed by very vociferous fans who wanted to see the team win, who would urge them on even in the in the difficult times. And their form has fallen off a cliff as well. Meanwhile, there's other grounds in the in the Premier League where, you know, the atmosphere is not quite as as positive as it can be at times. And sometimes, you know, if you look at some of the, the results of other clubs, you know, that their their form at home has actually improved in that period. So. It, I think it, you can't just eliminate it from the discussion. Okay, you know, all clubs are having to face the same things, but I do think it is one of the one of the reasons why Liverpool are struggling at the moment. Uh, you know, it's not just one reason. I think that the part of the problem with this is that there's quite a few reasons. Obviously, we've spoken about the defence, Van Dijk not being available. I think there is a fair discussion around sort of the energy levels of the team I haven't put so much in for the into the last two or three seasons. I think to carry on doing that, you know, is 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 a big ask at a time when the players are all getting a bit older as well. So I think all these things are have played a part in it this season. Um but to just dismiss like the lack of crowd as not being a feature of of of, of one of the reasons why Liverpool aren't doing as well and and just to say, well, oh well, you know, all the teams are having to deal with it. I, I just think that's you know, I think it's a bit one-sided to say that it shouldn't be affecting. I mean, maybe it shouldn't be affecting, but it is one way or another. And the team haven't haven't been able to adjust to the to the way football is. So, to answer your question about Allison, I mean, I, I just sort of felt that I, I would agree with what Kiva says. I think he's been a great goalkeeper for Liverpool. I think he's you know his mistakes have been very rare. You know, keepers do make mistakes. Uh, you know, I don't. I just don't subscribe to this idea that when a player makes a mistake, he should be hounded on social media for it. He, he, he's made a bad error. It has affected the the dynamic of the game, whichever whichever way you look at it. I think it was pretty finely poised, the game with Man City, until he made the mistake. But then Liverpool, in, with, with the sort of the, the recent form that they've been in, you know, off the back of a bad performance at Brighton and a defeat, I think he lost a lot of confidence and, and belief after that. So uh, I think, I think Jürgen yeah, Klopp, he should be disappointed by the reaction, you know, to, to the mistake because they weren't able to get a foothold back in the game. But you can rationalise it based on what's happened before. So yeah, it's a lot to, lot to solve, lot to solve in a short space of time. I, th- I think that it's convenient this week that Liverpool don't have a midweek fixture and at least they can they can stop and have a think about the way it, where it's gone wrong and, and where it's going wrong and where, where they can try and make improvements. Because as I say, it's it's a big period coming up and they really need to get back on it because they can't afford not to be in that Champions League. You know, they, they just can't. It, 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 it's financially very important to the club. And if they don't, you know, it's it's going to be a, it's going to be tough to get back in it. So so they need to, they need to get their head around that fact that, that that they're now aiming for something that's a bit different, but it's still still very important. Well, one of the reasons this week might help is Ozan Kabak and Ben Davis will be able to train with the squad. They've obviously not had an awful lot of time to do that. Now, interestingly, Jurgen obviously decided, James, that his two new central defenders weren't an appropriate selection for this game. Ben Davis wasn't even on the bench. You can, you can only speculate and presume that a lack of training time was behind that decision. Yeah, I, I, and I, do you know what? I don't think I don't think that should be used as a, a stick to beat Klopp with. 
in the aftermath of that defeat because you know he, he did he did suggest that that would be the case in his press conference on Friday when he talked about how you know Liverpool have quite a unique way in which they set up in which they defend he said it's not the kind of thing he said you know in some other positions I think if you'd brought in a you know, for argument's sake say say Liverpool had a striker crisis and you signed a striker I think you throw a striker into the team much quicker than you do so with a centre back who doesn't know exactly what the system is in terms of when to when to drop off, when to press, you know, the, with the high line. So yeah, I, I wasn't particularly surprised. Um, I, I, the only thing I thought he might have done was I thought he might have played Nat Phillips with Fabino, and that would have at least released Henderson to play in midfield. Because as we've said previously, I just think Liverpool do miss Henderson's energy and dynamism so much in the middle of the park when he's when he's not there. And it has affected the balance balance of the team. But um, yeah, with a full week to prepare now at Kirby, I'd, I'd be surprised if Kabak didn't didn't make his debut at, at Leicester. I just think, having signed him, you've got to now use him. And I think whilst City was understandable, being a bit cautious because of the calibre of the opposition and the lack of training time, he needs to play at Leicester. And then that that releases Henderson to play in his normal position and. And also Diogo Jota and Naby Keita both closing in on a return to full training. And that will help massively as well, because, you know, for all the talk of Alisson's mistakes and the and the centre-back situation and all the rest of it, it does worry me the lack of fluency going forward. And two players like that will provide fresh impetus because, and I know, I know what Klopp was saying when he said after the game about he liked so much about the performance. And and he's and he's right because you know it, that game was tight for so long, but again Liverpool created next to nothing. When you, I think their only shot on target in the second half was the penalty. You know, and Edison had one proper save to make all afternoon, and that was the one he he pushed over from Firmino first half. So um, whilst it wasn't as bad as the scoreline suggests, it, it also was a long, long way of of what we've come to expect from this Liverpool team. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's the Red Agenda. I'm Steve Hollisall, James Pierce, uh, Kiva O'Neill, Simon Hughes on today's pod. Um, James just talking there about the, the lack of opportunities created. Just quickly follow that up, James. And, you know, there's so many talented players on that pitch. But we've seen a few games where there hasn't been that many shots on goal, that many clear opportunities created. Is there a load of factors behind that in your head? Yeah, yeah, I think there is. I don't think there's any one simple explanation for it. I just think, you know, that the front three collectively haven't been at the the level we've been we've become accustomed to. I don't think the service to them has been good enough either. 
you know, I think certainly Robertson started the season brilliantly well, but I think he's he's tailed off in the last couple of months. I think you know Trent was showing real signs of getting back to his his best, but you know I, I thought he he enjoyed a disappointing afternoon against City, and you know those two are so key, aren't they, in terms of creating opportunities in this team? And I think the balance of the midfield, as we said before, losing you know Henderson and and, and Fabino, you know. I think Liverpool's two best midfielders and you've got a situation there where neither of them are actually playing in their proper position. So when you combine that with, you know, also you throw into the mix the lack of set-piece threat with, with no Matip and no Van Dijk. You know, Liverpool were top of of the set-piece table. And now, you know, when they get a corner, you think it's, it doesn't even feel like there's any point even taking it. They look so, so like, so devoid of, of any opportunities to... To make it count, um, so yeah, lo- loads and loads of of factors there, and you know, of course, when when the goals aren't flying in, fingers are pointed at the the front three, especially. But it definitely goes deeper than that. It's about the structure of the team and the balance. Well, well, you lose games, Simon. Fingers are pointed, and one of the figures who had fingers pointed at him after the defeat was Thiago. Is he someone who's just maybe? just needs to be given more time, more understanding that you're not going to slot straight into what Klopp wants. And obviously with the balance effective, with Henderson playing elsewhere, it's not going to be perfect from the off. Uh, no, it's not. But I think it's fair to expect a bit more from him as well. Um, I mean, it, it has been a difficult start for him getting COVID, missing a fair chunk of training just after you signed for Liverpool, followed up by a really good performance at Goodison Park. I thought he was excellent, probably his best performance for Liverpool. And then getting an injury which keeps him out for the next two months. So it has been, you know, when you go to a new club in a new country, any player would find it difficult to sort of walk into a team and put your stamp on it straight away in the middle of a season, particularly when the team's been on a bit of a, let's have it right, not not the best run. I mean, I suppose he came into the team, didn't he? Uh, sort of at the start of this rut and people are towards him and saying, well, he, he's the reason for it. But I think I think it's a bit too simplistic to say that. I th- he, hasn't, he hasn't performed to the, to the levels that you would expect. I think a few people have sort of pointed towards it, you know, the, the bookings that he seems to be getting. He's a one step behind a little bit when it, it, it comes to sort of winning the ball back, it, it seems sometimes, and that's contributing towards his, his bookings. I just think he's being put in you know, and played a lot of minutes when he hasn't had that easing in periods, which which most players when they've had injuries would get. It's been very difficult the circumstances around his introduction, but I think it is fair to expect more. He's an experienced player who has won the loss and at the moment hasn't been able to have have the level of influence on the team the that people were expecting. But you'd be confident enough that that he will eventually come good. I mean, he's t- clearly a top top class player but it just shows I think that, that that even the top class players even with a lot of experience can suffer from confidence and it's not that he's not showing for the ball he's still trying to get involved but again uh, James touched on it then I, I think there's quite a few problems with this Liverpool team at the moment you know I think Firmino's form whether you can call it form anymore because for me I, I don't think he's been as influential in this team for quite a long time now you know, I think there are a few problems up front. I think further back the pitch, Thiago hasn't had the level of consistency in terms of the players around him in midfield. He's been moved from the base of the midfield to higher up the pitch. I think he looks better higher up the pitch in, in the midfield three that Liverpool have. But but yeah, he, he needs to find a way to, to sort of become a more 
consistent and become an influential player because you'd expect that from a player with his experience and background. It hasn't been good enough from him as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, that's just one of the, again, another reason why Liverpool are where they are. I don't think you can point the finger at one particular thing. There's quite a lot of things that aren't sort of going quite right at the moment. And I think that that is actually a cause for for, for some concern because there's a lot for Jürgen Klopp to sort of sort out and try and bring a balance back to this Liverpool team. If, if you look, if you look back over the last few years, that there's been a lot of sort of chopping and changing in the midfield. When uh, even when Liverpool have been successful, loads of different combinations in the midfield. Not so much in defence, certainly not in attack at the moment. It seems to me that the, the attack is 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 looking a bit jaded. The midfield, far too many changes, understandably to some extent. The defence, you know, we, we could go on and on and we already have gone on and about. I mean, it's not a surprise, really, when you think about all that, that, that Liverpool are struggling for the, the form that they, they're looking to hit. Right, Kiva, you were, you were calling for positivity before. I, su- I suppose if you're looking for bright lights on what we were watching, until he got taken off, and I know there's a bit, there's a bit of angst against how substitutions are executed at the moment. Curtis Jones was pretty good, wasn't he? Best of the bunch in the first half. Pretty unlucky to be taken off, actually. Yeah, to be honest, I would have liked to see him be a bit more bold in that first half. I feel like he sort of played, he was brilliant, but he played within himself a little bit. You know, there was times when he probably could have played a forward ball and and brought it back. But I think that's kind of the energy around Liverpool. Sometimes they don't want to lose the ball rather than, than risk it. And that's been the case this season, hasn't it? But obviously we saw the impact he made when he came on against West Ham. He's an outstanding young player and someone Jurgen Klopp's looked to time, time and again this season. You know, he's played a lot of games now. The, he's racking up the appearances and it seems to be almost going unnoticed. You know, he's definitely one for the future, but one for right now as well, because he's performing brilliantly. I thought as soon as he went off, you know, James Milner was brought on, Shaqiri for Thiago. It, it just seemed to sort of, um, I don't know, it just dropped the level, didn't it? And I feel like he was Liverpool's probably best player on the ball, on the pitch. And as soon as he went off, I don't know, something just changed about the way Liverpool were, were playing and they just lost that little bit of impetus that I think he provided. And I don't know, it was it was a strange sort of um, couple of substitutions from Klopp. No, not the first time that's been said about the substitutions as well. Yeah, I mean, he got it right, obviously, when he brought Curtis Jones on against West Ham, but sometimes he seems to wait too long or doesn't make changes at all. And then other times he, he just brings on someone like, you know, like Origi when it feels lost and you kind of know with the substitution that it's not going to change you. Um, bringing Shaqiri on felt like, OK, let's have a little crack here. You know, he, he'll do something, but it didn't quite come off for him, did it? James Milner, I can't really remember him being on the pitch, which is never a good thing. But um, as good as he's been in recent weeks and his whole time at Liverpool, he's an outstanding leader. We know that. But, you know, it wasn't really a, a memorable last 20-odd minutes or so, was it, for Liverpool? I thought I would have just thrown Kabak into the mix for Thiago. Just throw him on. And, you know, I know it's 1-1 and it's a risk, but... I think, you know, Liverpool have not long scored. Just get someone in there, free Henderson into the midfield, bring Thiago off because, he, you know, he wasn't performing to probably the level he knows he can himself. The struggle has been a little bit real for him, but at the same time, you know, he's an unbelievable player. As Simon said, he will come to his uh, form at Liverpool sooner rather than later. I think obviously that early injury and I think did he have coronavirus as well probably haven't helped him. But yeah, I just thought maybe... 
back, bring him on and sort of just free up the midfield a little bit. Because Henderson, you could see him and you do see him every time he plays as a centre-half. He's itching to play the ball the way he does, but he just knows he's that bit further back and it's more difficult. And he'll often like sort of run forward and then go, oh God, I'm a centre-half now, I better get back there. And it's sort of just, it's like that inner turmoil he's got throughout the game. And, you know, he, I think he's been been great in defence as has Fabinho you know a little bit of lapse in concentration again when he he makes those fouls inside the box that usually would make further up the pitch yeah I just think one thing about Quebec as well James mentioned Liverpool and set pieces at the minute we just don't look like we're threatening at all I think if you look at his highlights really he does like a header and he's quite aggressive in the box so I feel like he'll add that little bit of Fear going forward again, you know, for corners, which Liverpool have lacked ever since Van Dijk got injured, really. They haven't had that, you know, they're going to score. No, Firmino scored late against Tottenham, but, you know, just it never feels like Liverpool are going to score from a set piece. Even, like, free kicks on the edge of the box, you'd expect more, but I don't know, nothing's fallen to Liverpool. And then, you know, you get that penalty and you think, oh, here's a little bit of luck, finally, something's you know, come Liverpool's way, it feels, because they just, you know, luck is a big part of the game, as we know. Um, it's almost like a hidden asset, isn't it, at times? And Liverpool have just, uh, did they use up all the luck last year because it just feels like it's not coming off for them at the minute. Um, and then when it did, you know, Salah scores, but then the game just changes on a, on a knife edge, doesn't it? And, and that's the way of it. But we do have to stay positive, don't we? On the subs thing James you've written a piece on what the future holds for a certain number of players in in the squad I'd, I'd encourage people to have a read of it because there's a there's a number of fringe players that perhaps are not doing enough at the moment to warrant a long-term future at the club you'd say Divock Origi's in that you know there's question marks over Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain when Naby Keita comes back Jordan Shakiri. Are, are there too many players who are not doing their case enough good at the moment yeah without a shadow of a doubt and that and, and I think that's been that's been a big difference in in comparison to the last couple of seasons. Where how many times have we said it in the last couple of years that the number of occasions when a player who's been on the fringes suddenly gets thrown in and grasps their chance. And I, and I know that obviously it's easier to come in and shine in a team that's functioning well and, and winning and confidence is high. So of course you have to put that in context. But again, it just hasn't happened this season. You know, when when Liverpool have really needed those on the fringes to to step up and deliver you know more often than not they've stumbled and haven't been able to to take those opportunities and yeah when you know when you look at someone like Divock Origi um you know when, once they lost Jota they really really needed Origi to you know get the bit between his teeth and think right this is you know probably thought his Liverpool career was effectively over you know one last shot to try and salvage it one last shot to prove that he deserves to be sticking around beyond this season. But, you know, again, it just hasn't happened for him. You know, Oxay chamberlain I think he's had a lot of misfortune with the injuries, but, you know, he has been available for you know, more than half the league games now this season, but just rarely turned to. And when Klopp has thrown him in, he hasn't improved Liverpool. That's the that's the issue. So it is a huge few months for, for someone like Oxay chamberlain and you know, for Shakiri, you know, the, that amazing assist down at West Ham, you know, quite rightly reminded us all of he has got unbelievable ability, but we don't see it often enough, both due to fitness and form. And then you know, Naby Keita, what, what do you do with Naby Keita? Third season for him at, at Liverpool now. You know, this was supposed to be the, the season when he 
when he really kicked on and, and put two two seasons of individual frustration behind him. It hasn't happened. Now he's close to a comeback. And, and you know, you, you think these are these are massive months for him. You know, if you know, he he could be absolutely key to Liverpool kicking on and ensuring they finish in the top four because they need they need someone to stand up and 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 give them something extra they haven't had so far and they've barely had cater all season so um you know and, and i know you know a number of people say to me oh you know they need to just get rid of cater you know forget it it's not going to happen for him but you know it, that's easier said than done because how much of a financial hit are you going to take then because you know he's the one major signing of Klopp's reign that arguably isn't worth now anywhere near what Liverpool actually paid for him, you know, 52.75 million. You know, I, I think you'd be lucky to get half that if you were trying to trying to cash in your chips. So, you know, more than anything, Liverpool, they don't need to get rid of Cater. They need Cater to get back to where he was, which convinced Liverpool to sign him in the first place. And we've seen flashes of it. And, you know, that's, I, know, I, know and I know that Liverpool have been really careful with him this time around. They haven't you know, they haven't rushed him back. They've spent extra time with him working with the rehab staff and the sports science guys to, to try and ensure that his fitness is to a level that he doesn't come back for two weeks and then get up, get another knock, that he is able to, you know, be more robust and be available for the rest of the season. And yeah, Liverpool really need, you know, him and Jota back to just to, just to shake things up and just get to give Klopp more options going forward. Because at the moment, it just looks tired and one-dimensional. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's the Red Agenda, your exclusive Liverpool broadcast brought to you by The Athletic. James Pearce, Simon Hughes, Kiva O'Neill, I'm Steve Hothersall. Uh, and what should Liverpool now aim for, Si? Now, you you were the um, the prophet weeks ago on this podcast. You foresaw that it was a top four chase, not a, not a title chase. You got bombarded with people um, saying you were being a bit harsh on Liverpool at that point. But you were absolutely right. Uh, it's it's a critical period ahead now. You you said this before in the pod. We've got Leicester next week, an Anfield derby. And if you look at the table, from Villa in ninth with 35 points to Liverpool in fourth with 40 points, there's a whole bunch of contenders there. Yeah. Well, when I did say that, Steve, I didn't sort of envisage <laughs> this. what was to come, to be honest. I didn't, I didn't think it would get as bad as this. I mean, I just thought, you know, it's going to be nip and tuck and they might drop points here and there, but they've obviously lost a lot of games. And But yeah, it, it's very congested in that position. Um, so I do think, you know, that the week, the week, midweek off this week will, will help Liverpool. Uh, I think they need a bit of breathing space. I know sometimes they say, well, get back on the pitch as quickly as possible and put it right. But there's obviously a, a succession of results that, or a period over a period of time that, that haven't been good for Liverpool. So I think they need uh, you know, the, the, this period to, to figure out what, what comes next. But yeah, massive games. I mean, Leicester away uh, and all the team. If they beat Leicester away, you know, suddenly it, it it looks better again, doesn't it? Because Leicester are one of the teams that are competing for the top four with them. And equally, uh, Leipzig Champions League game. You know, I, I, I do wonder to what extent is there an advantage 
playing the game in Budapest or disadvantage for Leipzig playing the game in Budapest. That's a, that's another debate. And then Everton. I mean, there's there's a weight of history on on Liverpool's side in this game, and um, certainly from a Liverpool perspective, I mean, I don't think any of those players would want to be in the first team that, that loses to Everton after all this time at Anfield. So. Some huge, huge games coming up, and again, I mean, uh, just Liverpool have shown over the last few weeks that they can, they can still mix it with with the top teams. Beating Tottenham away was it was a really big result. It could have been a, well, it felt like a big result at the time. It, it, it could prove to be a big result, you know, doing the double over Tottenham because they'd be another team that'd be pushing them in the top four. I think if if Tottenham would have taken points off Liverpool in in the two games at both at Anfield and Tottenham, so. Um, yeah, yeah, they, they, they have to they have to get their heads around what's happened pretty quickly, and and I just think I've said this before, but come to terms with the fact that the challenging for something that it might not seem as important, well, it isn't as important as winning the league title, but in terms of the the direction of the club over the next few years, it is important. It's just very very important that they get into the Champions League, and if they were to come out of this period, you know, with three victories, I think that would give them the sort of momentum that they need um, going into the final months. But yeah, they, they can't afford to lose the two league games. Huge games now. So, Sai, does it do, does it matter if you finish second or fourth? I mean, it obviously does, but I think psychologically. It does, yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, of course it does, yeah. I mean, uh, psychologically, I think it does. I think I think it'd, it'd give Liverpool a bit of... Because con- at the moment, it feels like, you know, they'd be doing well to finish fourth, so they to finish second... Certainly above Manchester United, above Chelsea, who come certainly coming up the rails under Thomas Tuchel. I think they'll finish the season strongly. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be a good thing for Liverpool to finish as high as possible. But in real terms, just in terms, I mean, we've spoken about it before, the real economic wells of Liverpool to not be in the Champions League next season. It will have undone a lot of good work, I think, because once you're out of it, you know how hard it is to get back into it, particularly when you've got an economic model which trades on profit and loss. And requires the the money that would be coming in to, to for Liverpool to not be in the Champions League in the middle of a pandemic. You know it's going to be a big task to to get them heading in the right direction again. So I still think that they've certainly got the players to do it. If they get the Jota back, will help massively because I think it'll release the burden on the front three and and in equally put a bit of pressure on them. I think. You know, Thiago, you would expect him to be performing better. They, they need Kabak to come in and, and perform well as well. These signs that he made defensively, as both Kiva and James have said, you know, they, they need to perform. You know, they, they, it, it's it's not good enough for, for, for Liverpool and even for the players in question to to think that they've got a bed and in period. Unfortunately, the way the situation is, they need those players to to come in and, and make a contribution to, towards the season because... As I said, the pressure I think is is really on them now, and I mean, it, it in some ways it's quite exciting, but it's not the sort of pressure that you'd you'd really want, you know, given what's gone over the last couple of seasons. And, and Kiva, other teams will feed into this that they'll know that Liverpool are unsettled if it's Leicester, if it's Everton in in two weeks. How, how confident are you that they get it back on track and that they do qualify in the top four? Let's face it, all those teams up to Villa in ninth, they're all thinking. We've got a shout. Yeah, I mean, it's such a crazy season. And like Simon says, the pressure is on. But I still kind of think, I don't know, sort of being almost out of the title race now completely. It does feel like that kind of thing's gone. So Liverpool now have a new a new target, which they can just focus on this instead. And we know it's going to be two difficult games against Leicester and Everton, but they're rivals for the top four now. So you have to beat these teams. And usually when it comes down to it, Liverpool do that when... 
you know, it's teams who they're sort of fighting for something against, um, more so than the teams who, you know, are in the bottom half of the table who they've struggled against this season. Um, I think everyone's noticed, haven't they? Everyone's clocked it now that Liverpool are struggling and have been for a while. And, you know, there's, there's no surprise to see teams like Brighton and Burnley and Southampton sort of all follow each other's sort of trend and, you know, and how they sort of just, you know, dig in and defend against Liverpool. That's why I think, you know, you do look forward to the games more so against Man City because you think Liverpool will fare better. But obviously that didn't quite come to fruition, did it? Um, but yeah, I... I think it's just about it, it's a great great week now that Liverpool are almost on in the FA Cup as much as you know that trophy would have been nice. Um, I think it gives Liverpool a little bit of time to sort of, you know, have a little bit of um, a little bit of a, a, a think about you know sort of what's gone wrong and I don't know for Super Bowl fans listening that was on last night in Tampa Bay obviously won and they were speaking about they had like a bye week basically which sort of changed the direction of their season. Um, you know, they had a week to really think about, like, you know, the, the tactics of it and everything. And they come back and just turned it around. And that's kind of what Liverpool now need from this midweek almost, um, you know, just to sort of relax, I think, now. Just kind of, like, just just let that go now. Let it go and just focus on the games at hand. And that's Leicester City. That's the that's the primary focus. You win that, it's a lunchtime kickoff, which I think Liverpool sometimes struggle in after a little bit of time off. But... You win that and things are feeling a little bit different. Um, you know, I'm I'm not convinced. I mean, Man City look ruthless, don't they? I'm not convinced they're going to win every game. I mean, they probably will now, I've said that. But same with United, the teams around Liverpool, Leicester, Everton, you know, Chelsea, they're under a bit of a, a revolution at the minute. But we, we you've saw all season, Arsenal sort of look like they're back in it and then they fall away again. And the same with Tottenham. And I think Liverpool have been like that as well. It's just such a crazy season. Um so I don't expect that to change, but Liverpool have just got to take it a game at a time now and sort of just start again. And we know how good Jurgen is when things are going well. We've we've seen that in his five years. He's been brilliant. This is a test now, James, with his credentials in in a tougher time. A hundred percent, yeah, without doubt, the, the the greatest challenge that he's faced during his his Liverpool reign. It's you know virtually uninterrupted progress for. You know, for five years to to lead Liverpool from from where they were as as also runs in the Premier League, getting them back into the the Champions League, you know, winning the European Cup, winning the Premier League, building this unbelievable team based around you know some some fantastic recruitment and man management on his part, and, and now things have been derailed. And you know, Pete, I know people already are questioning, you know, is a can he change things around? I think that's far too premature. I think there's still too much to be achieved this season to write it off. I mean, as, as we said, it's absolutely paramount that Liverpool finish in that top four. You know, the repercussions, if they don't, as Simon said, be huge, not just in terms of who you can attract, but I think also it will create a headache in terms of keeping hold of your elite talent. The, the big, big thing is he needs to ensure that what happened at Anfield on Sunday afternoon doesn't have wider implications for the coming weeks because if that lingers, if if self belief continues to be an issue, if if Allison's morale isn't repaired, if he can't get Quebec up to speed, then this season will just drift and the repercussions will be big. But I, I still believe there's enough talent there still standing to 
to ensure that this season does finish on a high. And, and let's just finish on a on a theme that you've all spoken about throughout the course of the pod, and that's the financial effect on the club and size. Written a really good article looking at Fenway Sports Group. Now, FSG don't own a massive port- portfolio of football clubs, Si. They've, they've sort of held back from that without going massively in depth on what you've written because it's... It's quite complex and it, it, it it's really good to think about. You know, where do they want to be, Fenway Sports Group, in the next couple of years in, in terms of football? Yeah, well, there's, there's a few articles written at the back end of last year about the, their sort of strategy over the, the coming months. And there was, there was some feeling that, that they might increase the portfolio, is the word that they always use. Um, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, a lot of clubs... Uh, across Europe, struggling financially. Liverpool, sorry, well, yeah, Liverpool faced with a few problems around Brexit. We've seen Manchester City uh, or the City Football Group investing in clubs in France and Belgium. And there's a feeling that Liverpool might go the same way, but I was reassured last week that that, that, that isn't the case. They're not looking to increase the partnerships, not immediately anyway. They're, they're saying that there's a you know big enough job on their hands at, at Liverpool. Um, but I, I think that is linked to a... A potential situation which which unraveled at the back end of last year again, where they were looking for a new partner, which which potentially was going to be a company called Red Bull, which was fronted by Billy Bean. Um, and the idea, reading between the lines, I think, was that that Red Bull would come in and buy a certain percentage of FSG and then bring with them their expertise and potentially run a football club in another part of Europe. So that company connected to Red Bull, for example, bought Toulouse in, in the French League. Last year, they got relegated and, and essentially bought a distressed club and put Damien Camoli, who might be familiar to a lot of Liverpool fans, in, in charge as the, as the sporting director. But that, that deal with the Red Bull didn't happen in the end because they didn't raise enough capital. So yeah, for the time being, uh, yeah, the, the, the message to me was that they won't be investing in another football club, certainly not with their own money, but that wasn't ruled out altogether in the future at some point. The, the piece that I wrote was also linked to, to, to big picture and, and how significant that is to sort of the future of Liverpool and the finances and the economics around it. And as you said, Steve, just keeping it very brief, as brief as I can, you know, the, it just underlines to me how important really the, the, the Champions League football is to Liverpool. You know, the club's been hit harder than some clubs because of the way of the... The, the, the way they frame the economics of the club. So any money that comes into Liverpool is pumped back into the club. Obviously, there's a big shortfall in terms of the pandemic. But but interestingly, you know, the Deloitte Money League was, was released not so long ago and Liverpool haven't been hit as some of the competitors across Europe. I think Liverpool's um, growth rate declined by something like 8% roughly and, and the average in the top 20 clubs across Europe was actually 12%. It's quite interesting dynamic there. But yeah, yeah, it's just that the piece just sort of underlines that the, both the, the financial landscape, the partnerships and, and, and where big picture lies at the moment and, and how John Henry views that because it'll be interesting to see what happens with the strategic review which, which came off the back of big picture. I think John Henry saw a bit of a small victory in, in that, the, the, at least they've got the conversation on the table about trying to reform football, because it does need reform, definitely does need reform. And the, the, my personal view on big picture was, uh, I think, it, it, you know, some of the, the things that the Premier League clubs at the top wanted was just not good for football, shall we say, but there were some elements of it that, that were good if, if people would sit around the table and actually talk about trying to progress the game. Um, that is a good thing, but whether that will happen or not, I'm, I'm not quite sure. 
fascinating stuff on, on the future of the game and, and football clubs as well individually. Uh, my thanks as always to James, to Kiva, to Sai. Uh, probably wasn't as positive as you would have wanted for the Red Agenda. Hopefully there's better times ahead and we'll be back in a week's time to reflect on, fingers crossed, a better result and performance against Leicester City. See you then. The Athletic.